You're listening to the Screeners Podcast Network. Well, welcome back, everybody, to the Next Trek Podcast. Every week, we break down the latest episode of Star Trek Discovery and give our thoughts on the final frontier. My name is Chris. And I'm Tyler. And I'm Kate. And we're back again to talk about the latest episode, Perpetual Infinity. This is episode 11 of season two. And um, yeah, I'm going to be honest with you guys. Last week was rough. We had a very heated debate um, between myself and Tyler. And I think Kate stood in the middle in the middle, and, and, and attempted to keep us at bay um, from you know harming one, of, one another. Um, I'm not sure if it worked or not. I think you know, Tyler and I are both very bitter. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not speaking with Tyler right now. Um, so, but we're going to get through tonight's episode. We're going to talk all through Kate today. Kate, will you please tell him that, uh, that I have something to say? <laughs> so Chris, um, yeah. Tyler has something very important to tell you, and I think you need to hear this. Okay. I'm, 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 I'm willing to hear. I'm willing to hear. This is just to show you that I'm, I'm the bigger man. You know, I, oh. that's really what I, what I want to start with. <laughs> wow, that's a big claim. Um, Tyler, you might want to get to the point. Before we <laughs> don't want to, you. to get beyond that, is it? No, Chris, I, yes. I have to say, I, I was, I was wrong. I was wrong. Oh. I had big hopes. I, I lent, I lent my, my love of last year's episode or last year, last week's episode. I yeah. kind of based that on my hopes for this episode that things would pay off, that they would make sense, that it would actually work. Right. And I liked last year, last week's episode much better than this week's episode. So I think I need to admit something to you here in this moment as mm. well, Tyler. Uh, and okay, that is, so, so, so Tyler, Chris has something to say to you. Will you hear him? <laughs> I will, right, I will hear what right. he has to say. I, I'm done with the mediation. Forget <laughs> it. I'm talking directly to you, Tyler. I'm looking right at you. There we go. Um, I actually quite enjoyed this episode much more than I did with Red Angel. I'm much more positive tonight than I was last week. I don't think it fixed a lot of issues, but I do think um, it's paying off on some promises that it's made. And I'll get into that when I chat a little bit more. But um, so let's just say this. Let's just let's handshake and say uh, the feud is over. And we'll continue forward in the podcast. How does that sound, Tyler? Are we, are we good that on sounds, that? That sounds good. I think we move forward. Okay. We just, you know, whatever right. Discovery does to us, you know, it won't it won't destroy the podcast. That's the thing. Great. Sounds good. Fantastic. Thank All you, right, gentlemen. So this, yeah, thank you. I really appreciate you mediating thanks for, this. Yeah, thanks for being the in-between on that one. That's great. <laughs> it was going to get bloody in here. All right. So this is entitled Perpetual Infinity, Episode 11, Season 2. Here is the summary. Burnham receives the reunion she's been longing for, but it doesn't go quite as she imagined. Georgiou and Tyler sense a disturbing change in Leland. Yes, they do. My goodness. That is actually my favorite. The Georgiou-Tyler connection is one of my favorite moments from this episode. So I can't wait to talk yes. about that. Uh, really enjoy that. Um, uh, but there's a lot of problems here, too. All right. So let's go ahead and give our general thoughts on this episode. I've already given mine a little bit. So I'll just maybe continue there. And then I'll let you guys uh, give your thoughts in general on the episode before we hop into spoilers and talk about our uh, kind of biggest highlight points of the episode. For me, I think um, this this episode moved along at a very good clip. Um, there wasn't quite as many like uh, question marks or why is that happening or that seems stupid or silly or whatever. But this <laughs> this the show the, this episode does start with the time crystal, literally a, a close-up of the time crystal. And I was like, come on, guys, can't we just move away from that? I mean, it just seems so silly to me still. Um, such an odd uh, uh, MacGuffin that we're following. Um, but other than that, other than some silly moments, I think there's some great character moments to be had in this episode. Some really good acting, um, some really well done uh, kind of smaller moments. The overall plot still is troubling to me, um, but there is one moment of the plot that um, the overall plot that actually has me quite excited. Uh, it's a little bit of mystery that is still left in understanding specifically uh, the red signals. Um, mm-hmm. So for me, that is what I'm kind of holding on to hope that there is 
a piece yet to be revealed that will perhaps make the rest of it uh, better for me. So overall, I enjoyed it, but I still believe it's weak. And I really hope that the plot ends up paying off by the end of the season. So we'll see. It's coming to a, to a close very soon here, sooner rather than I, I mean, sooner, more, sooner than I was hoping for anyway. Mm-hmm. So here we are. Kate, what did you think of Perpetual Infinity? I would have to echo a lot of what you said. I'd like to toss the weak sauce and bring back the awesome sauce because yeah. that's kind of been missing the last few episodes. Um, I will admit that while I did like this episode better, um, and I think that um, our lead character did a lot of excellent acting in this episode, um, it was a lot of the small details that really captured my attention this time rather than the main through line plot. Uh, which I look forward to to digging into some of those. Um, I did also um, appreciate what they were doing with Spock in this episode. It it felt very much like it made sense, his place in this story in this season. And so there were some pieces that weren't the main storyline that that fit better together for me. So um, it was at least better than last week. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. No doubt. No doubt about that. So, Tyler, you were pretty darn disappointed. Uh, give us your, your take on that. Well, I, I think I would still echo a lot of what you guys said and that there are a lot of good moments. Um, this is sort of how I felt about last week's episode. Maybe, and maybe that's why I'm, I'm disappointed is I, I wanted more from the sequel. I had maybe set myself up for that because there are some good moments. Um, Sonequa Martin-Green just once again knocks it out of the park acting-wise. Um, I, I love the the growing relationship between her and Spock. I still mm-hmm. have I still have good questions about her and Giorgio um, because I, I, I really want to know at what it, what Giorgio's motivation is. Um, I but that's that's really about it. There's so many questions that are raised that I think are not. I think that we are supposed to not ask those questions. Um, lots of questions about what her mom was doing and, and things like that. I, I have one major thing, but if, if we're waiting for spoilers, there's like a major thing that just kind of made my eye twitch throughout most of the episode and that I, it really made me, made me dislike it. But um, yeah, like, yeah, exactly like you both said, lots of good moments, but the overall story, um, I really, I was nonplussed. I was bored. Wow. Okay. Bored. That's quite, that's a strong word right there. Okay. I don't know that I felt bored, but you know, you have me, my, my I I started playing a game on my phone during, during the episode. Yeah. And I I had to actually stop myself. I was like, Oh, what am I doing? I actually have to record about this later. Like I, I was, I was actively bored. So maybe that's why I have questions, but I was, (laughs) but I was, yeah. (laughs) No, I did not feel that at all. Well, listen, you've piqued my interest. Let's go and move right into, um, more of the spoiler discussion chat about the you know the things that we found the most interesting in the episode. I want to know what uh, made your eye twitch, Tyler. Oh, what is what is that? So they created the Borg in this. Oh, episode? okay. Is this that is the what big just one. happened? Like I think so. They created the Borg. Control created the Borg. I think control Struggle is pointless. Yeah. Yes. No, I'm against that. Nope, that was dumb. The number of well, times that we have gotten the creation of the Borg in in different weird forms. In Star Trek, it's like the Klingon yeah. ridges or something like that. I, I, I could not care less about that. And I love the Borg. I love the Borg. Those are my favorite storylines in in Voyager, and I'm in the weird minority because I think people got sick of that. But I loved them. Stop it! Just stop it already. We don't need that. Well, I think we have some hope that it's not actually that because that phrase is so freaking obvious. Right. That if it turns out to be that, then apparently the writer's room quit, didn't tell anybody. Right. And, you know, no, I, I think yeah. it's too obvious to be true. So but what it actually is, who knows? Yeah. yeah, I mean, just they're using so many of, like you said, it is super obvious. I mean, if you are familiar at all with the history of the Borg, which if you're watching a Star Trek show, I'm going to guess that you are. I mean, you, there are so many moments. Go ahead. Sorry. What were you going to say? I was just say, even in pop culture, people who've never seen Star Trek, we know, no resistance is futile. Like that, that's out there. (laughs) Right. Exactly. And that they, they, they did stop short of that. But like you said, Leland, literally said well not leland i'm sorry not leland it is it control is the leland. uh control not even control leland it is the um 
uh, the the hologram oh, yeah. that is yeah. switching back and forth between people. I guess Leland knows on Discovery. I guess I'm not exactly sure why he's choosing those people. Why yep. he wouldn't choose anyway? It doesn't make any sense to me. But um, these people, uh, the the control hologram says to him, "Struggle is pointless," and says. You will be a part of our evolution. Mm-hmm. Um, you know that is echoing very much with what we hear from the Borg. You know we will assimilate. You know your culture will adapt to service us. Resistance is futile. Um, you know th- those kinds of uh, phrases that the Borg have used from pretty much the beginning um, are you know in and amongst the 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 kind of dialogue lexicon whatever it is that he's using it's so it's mirroring so much mm-hmm. um so i don't know where they're going with this but it's definitely like leland becomes a part of the hive mind right yep. right he's suddenly been able to he's got these weird growth patterns that grow on the side exactly of his face exactly like the borg very it's, like them yeah uh, it it just even it, even the needles that shot nanites into him like yes mm-hmm. it's straight up or it, it makes that was Hmm. Uh, yeah, not where and and then looking back when we see that evolved probe that came to to because the Borg have messed with time before, so that's the other thing too. Like I, it, it right. start, it unfortunately is starting to fall into place. Um, and and even with the Skynet theory that we had you know started you know put out last week too, like it it's even more so. It, when when the probe attacked the shuttle, it jammed you know to, you know uh, needle you know tube like nanite things into the. The console, which we have seen the Borg do before, yeah. so either mm-hmm. it's lazy, or it's you know they're trying to they're trying to you know retcon the Borg, and and I'm no. So two random details here. I like it that the Borg have their cubes that they fly around in, and this is a sphere that it wants oh data gosh. from. That's that was making me about that. giggle. Um, the other is you brought up Skynet because you know I like calling control baby skynet because at least it's more entertaining than control (laughs) um and so i had this moment of okay so we have baby skynet when is you know arnold and black leather going to show up and beat the crap out of baby we already have oh right georgio in black leather kids yes yep (laughs) which i have to say was one of my favorite scenes of this episode because i just love michelle yo anyways and her fighting is always fun and so for her to be effectively terminator was pretty great for me she's more like sarah connor in this yes, protecting yeah. her her child uh, which is an True. amazing connection as well i i i really oh man that 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 connection too is beginning to cement a little bit more in my heart um so um well, we'll get to there and even even with that what i do like um again so this is the moments thing and even what you guys just said made a made a connection for me um because i i am loving the Giorgio storyline so i i'm i'm yeah. very much there well, and what we're getting as well is a lot of, um, you know, this this trying to save the future. Do we have a predestination paradox? You know, do we do we have you know, uh, what, what is what are we what are we getting into here? It's very much Sarah Connor um, mm-hmm. in, uh, and even what what it made me think of was Voyager Year of Hell, um, a little bit. Which you know, we've got this this one single person who is scrabbling to change time. Um, yeah. By making all these little nuances, and Year of Hell, I think, is one of the top. If we're talking the entire Star Trek franchise, it's probably in my top ten, uh, just mm. of all of them. It's so good, and it's and it's Janeway being a little Sarah Connor. We even get her in the sleeveless, you know, uniform, you know, with a big old rifle, you know, running through the ship at, at different points, and mm-hmm. uh, and so if we're headed in that direction, I'm kind of okay. But right now, if if that if what we're seeing is indicative, we have a watered down version of that. And, and that bums me out. So, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, there's so many places we can go here. Um, let's, let's stick with uh, this Leland Borg thing. Cause I want to get your guys like real opinion. I hear uh, you're, you're bummed up by bu- bummed out by that Tyler, right? That's not something you particularly are interested in. If right? it was, if it had not been, so borgy i don't think that i would have had a problem it distracted me so much it took me so out of it um because because i do like the intrigue Uh, now i got confused who was hacking what and where and who was blocking what signal and which signal was being rerouted or boosted or whatever because they had all these devices tyler was hacking and then leland was hacking and then george o was trying to stop somebody from being hacked like i i lost track um probably while i was on my phone i i really yeah i i was 
uh, so once again, my fault, but I, I couldn't, it was so, I was like, I don't care. Nope, I don't care who's hacking what or who or where. Um, it was intriguing that, you know, that, that the sphere has actually come, come into play so often. Um, mm-hmm. I've liked that. But other than that, I was like, oh, okay, cool. They have the sphere archive. Uh, a, how does mom know, what's her name? Um, I forget her first name. Uh, Gabrielle. Gabrielle. How does, because how does, wait for it, yeah. Angel Gabriel, Gabriel, got oh it. Oh my okay. gosh! I and didn't Michael, even. and Michael is also an angel. <laughs> oh my yep. goodness! Yes. I don't. I like it less. Ugh, okay. And um, if we're gonna talk about her mom's name for a second, we got her dad's name, which is Mike. So I assume she's named for her dad. Yeah. And the coolest thing about her dad is that's Sonequa Martin Green's husband in real life playing him. No, I didn't know that. Yes, I did that's know that. Spectacular. That's, that's cool. That's <laughs> awesome. That's and and young Michael, like they're having the the same problem that a lot of shows have. Like they actually, unfortunately, are going to need to either stop showing young Michael or actually show her older because the girl has grown like four feet since we first saw her in the in the last episode. I was like, she's not like nine years old what's going on so yeah, yeah at was, some point i think maybe it was in the last no it was i think this is episode no it was the last episode i can't remember when it was she's handed a uh teddy bear yes. and this girl right. looks it like she's 12 one. yes and it's like she does not want a teddy no. bear why are you no. giving her a teddy bear <laughs> yeah. right now yeah. it's so weird yeah. anyway and, and, but the, she's a good she's a good actress i wish we would see more of her the little bits we've seen i've liked but but yeah anyway it's just i think it's funny that we're I, I I've had forgotten that it's it's actually her husband. Um, that's that's funny. I did not put that's it together right. that her dad's name was Mike. That's that's cool that you that you saw that. I actually thought that was just her nickname from her mom. Um, so that's that's cool. That's neat. So Kate, how about you? Where do you fall on this whole uh, Borg um, possibility? So I think the Borg story is too obvious and perhaps meant to intentionally stir the pot with the fans to what end who knows and who knows if it'll even pay off this season or if they're just messing with us um that said uh the infection of leland in general i am i was avoiding that term intentionally (laughs) (laughs) i know you were that's why it's never mind i'm so sorry continue um um I am still bored by the whole, you know, bad AI from the future. And so the best part about Leland not actually being dead after getting stabbed in the eyeballs was getting to see Georgia fight him. I mean, she loses in the end, but I think that was necessity for a plot because otherwise she could totally kick his tail. Um, And because otherwise, like, just because he has nanites in him, that doesn't necessarily mean that he goes from being this, you know, average, boring, wimp noodle bad guy to that. Like, Leland has always been boring to me. He's most interesting to me in his relationship with Pike, um, which we've, like, flirted around with, but it's never really meant anything uh, serious beyond Pike and him... um, uh, having their little their uh, little fights over Section Thirty One, which I kind of miss because we've completely given up on caring about Section Thirty One being. Oh, do you mean you know, the ultra secret organization once again that every single person knows about and talks about all the time? Yes, you're right. Right, right. <clears throat> which um, we, it's it's like that was a plot point at one point just to create friction, but we don't actually follow through on the meaning of that. And suddenly two of our morally gray people, um, uh, Giorgio and Ash Tyler are on the hero's side. And it's, I assume they're doing that both for plot purposes and to set up the section 31 show to show that there's good enough reasons to follow them, even if they're morally gray, but it's still, it's a consistency problem. That's the part that bothered me the most about this episode, because it was the reveal of why Ash Tyler has been so gung ho about section 31 and why they had Georgiou as a part of section 31. Mm -hmm. The writers needed them to be on that ship so they could, carry out the plot in this in this episode and that's right. it that's literally it is so that they could turn at the at the precise moment it's needed so they could turn on the leader of section 31 and they could be in a position to do so if right. if either one of them had not been in that position this would have ended out very very differently and that just bothers me i think it's poor writing um because there wasn't enough reason for those characters to be where they were um and i was left wondering why tyler was there why is Giorgio there why are they doing this again that doesn't really make any sense oh it's because they needed to be there 
to save the crew, to save the future, to stop, you know, AI Leland um, from uh, from carrying out his plan to, you know, to, to the fullest. Um, and a little bit of fan service potentially as well, because getting um, um, Burnham's two moms in a room together to talk about her. I did like yeah, that. Not because, necessary to the plot. I think yeah. that was just straight up fan service. No, I did too, but it's not necessary for, for, for Giorgio to be a part of Section 31 for that to have happened. Right, right. Giorgio right. could have been on Discovery and still had that conversation. You know what I mean? Like, there's yeah. no real reason for Giorgio to be a part of Section 31 except for her to have this moment where she is able to work with Tyler to, mm-hmm. you know, supplant Leland or stop Leland's uh, Leland's plan. Which admittedly was fun. I enjoyed you know her and yes. Tyler together having adventures. Like that felt like one of the I more agree. earned. Uh, relationships with Tyler the whole season. And so that was nice, but yeah. I, I love the moment when, you know, there, so. Uh, Why are you calling gonna... me? <laughs> yeah. Right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I love the moment when um, Leland, um, you know, attacks Tyler and then he walks away immediately because he knows, you know, the bad AI Leland has to, you know, beam down to the planet and Tyler calls Discovery yes. immediately. <laughs> and it I just, so just, hard. just, but for me, it's like it, it was like one of the first times. Like, oh, I actually do care about Tyler yep. when he's doing this kind of stuff. Okay, yeah. come on, Tyler, and he just says the one word, Leland, and then Leland. Pop, 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 pop. This great it. dramatic <laughs> moment of I'm bloody Leland. Exactly. <laughs> it, it's very Shakespearean. There's very there are several Shakespearean yeah. even like Hamlet even quote. A Hamlet quote. Oh, yes. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so I, you know yeah. all that stuff. I, I'm actually look. Here's the problem, and this is this is the issue for me. Okay. Um, is that I have a Star Trek First Contact poster in my office hanging on the wall. And um, I love the Borg. Um, mm-hmm. And if you put the Borg in anything, I'm just going to like it just because it's there. <laughs> um, and so I think maybe that for me is one of the like, oh, it might be like like the Borg from like the way, way, way future. And it needs to start itself here in the past. And so Leland's going to steal all this stuff. And then he's literally going to hop into whatever ship he can. And then just, just shoot towards the Delta quadrant. And then we'll never see him again. And that's where he gets, goes to Delta Delta quadrant and his AI selfness is able to jumpstart the, the Borg um, stuff. I mean, Right? That could happen. Who knows? Um, Absolutely. And Janeway could time travel to that future and <laughs> have a reunion. Why not? Right, exactly. See, I just can't. I which and normally that's me. I I loved the Enterprise Borg episode. I loved all of the stuff. Like it's why I do like Voyager. Right? There's not. There's. A, I, I have a lot of problems with a lot of Voyager episodes, but I love all of the Borg arcs. Spork, Scorpion is one of the best episodes. But this one was like, like if they're gonna do Borg. Do Borg like if you're gonna do I don't it, think why are we why are we doing uh <sighs> you know the non you know the 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 you know Walmart off-brand version of resistance is futile right like I don't get it <laughs> yeah I don't either maybe we'll find out the reason why maybe maybe there's a there, I, maybe there is a good reason why so I have a I don't know I feel like this was the goodwill version not the Walmart version <laughs> Walmart's a bit up. <laughs> That's is that a step possible. down or a step up? I really don't <laughs> it's, know. It might be either one. That's actually a good question because yeah. Walmart is a step down for for moral ethics. We're not talking about that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm 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 more interested in the goodwill than I would be the Walmart if I'm being fully honest with you. Very Sorry, true. Tyler. Go ahead. Go I, ahead. Well, I have I have a suspicion that, and I I feel like Chris. I, I don't think this is mine. I I feel like one of the two of you, but I, I thought it was Chris, has speculated this earlier on, um, and it and it just clicked with me. I I wonder if we are going to have a reset at the end of the season. I wonder if we have, mm. if we have all like this, we're in a, we're in a, an offshoot timeline and we're going to need to, to reset um, much like year of hell. You know, once mom yeah. has, has done whatever she needs to do or what, or whatever, whoever does whatever, because there is we'll another, survive. I think this is where I'm slightly right in that there's another red angel out there um, somehow um, because we so, still have see, all these bursts. Um, yeah. You know, we, and she had, well, and she knew nothing of them. So I, I did it. I was intrigued by that. But she did. So so there's a moment in this episode where um, Pike is interrogating uh, the mom, uh, Michael's mom. And she basically I mean, basically says, I don't know anything about the red bursts. Um, but what 
there's also a moment in this episode where they say the mitochondrial DNA of mom and daughter exactly. are so similar mm-hmm. that, you know, we thought it was. But that's not, I mean, that's not true. Like, I mean, I that's understand. That's not the 100% match. The well, that's the thing. Last. It's not the 100% yep. last time. It's like mitochondrial DNA is a thing, but it's never been 100%. So no. that was the total BS of last episode. And that's what I don't understand still is that they haven't. So... So the, we're not the, getting a straight answer is, is it? Yeah. Right. So, I mean, the, the possibility is this, and you know, as I'm watching this episode, but I, we're already getting season three and they are pushing Sonequa Martin green as being in season three. Mm-hmm. Now I could see this being like a series finale where Michael jumps into the red angel suit and disappears for all time. And that's right. why we've never heard of her because she literally erases her time, erases her, her existence to mm-hmm. save the universe. Um, that's cool. I like that, but they can't do that now because right. if they do that yeah. now too soon. Yeah. We're not going to get a season three. So right. I, I don't think it can be her. I don't, I don't think it can maybe, yeah. maybe, but I had a couple other thoughts with the red lights in the sky. What else have we seen as red lights, the dots and Ariam's eyes mm-hmm. whenever yes. she gets taken over by control. So Good that's point. one possibility. There's a section 31 possibility, you know, with or without Leland. I think that there's still room for it not to be another Red Angel. The only thing that I that looked red in this episode was the wormhole that sucks mom back in mm-hmm. or into the future, whatever phrase yeah. you want to say. So I wasn't sure if that was a because I was watching it. I didn't question it. But my wife said, wait a minute, is that a signal? And I was like, whoa. And I rewound it and rewatched it again. It's totally red. Um, I, I don't think it's know just it's a signature enough. of the of the Red Angel. I don't, I don't know if it's a like but the it burst seems temporal... so intentional. And it would explain why her mom wasn't seeing it because her mom's not facing that way when she pops out. Which is what doesn't make any sense to me because I thought that is what it was. Like I thought there was a yeah. red signal. Mm-hmm. She sw- sw- ran through it to to get to um, a Saru. Remember yeah. in that episode where right. in, yeah. in his home world? I thought that was... I just think that they're bigger, but I, I guess. I, I think they should have differentiated in color, much like the sphere. I think it shouldn't have been a big red ball in the sky. You know, um, but... I know what it is. It's the brake lights of the DeLorean. That's what it is. That's what it is. <laughs> it's going 88 miles an hour. It's got to slow down. Okay, so, yeah, I mean, I, that, that's true. So and that's the biggest mystery we have yet. We've already mentioned a couple times, though, is these red signals are yet un- unidentified we don't know who's and doing them hopefully blinded. more interesting than the red angels turned out to be so far yeah totally i agree i, I gotta now agree I, I will say i like that premise i liked and, and this is again where i was i was sort of on the right track in the last episode of of you know mom has been stuck somewhere um out there trying to figure stuff out um but again I, I, there's a whole lot of nothing that comes with that right like they do explain and this is something that i I was was stuck on i still don't think they explained it well but um you know there i think it's in the same discussion pike is having with her um she basically says that she was the one that moved the people to terralysium yeah oh did um, i miss that yeah yeah to prove that time was fluid That that things could be changed yeah yeah, that, that, that so, the future wasn't set. So I still don't understand that. So she's she has the capability not only to move herself back because I thought if you get moved, time like freaks out and tries to pull you back, right? Well, Isn't that the her, whole... with her suit, yes, her suit, and yeah. Her suit, when she jumps into it to go back an hour in time when the Klingons invade and they shoot at her. My theory was they're shooting at her suit somehow screwed up the time crystal and that's what's created this weird tethering problem. Well, and, and let's notice really quick mm. that shot her 950 years in the future, which brings us very close to Calypso. Yeah, yeah, there's got to be a Calypso connection somehow in this. That's yeah. a good point, Tyler. Yeah, I didn't even th- I didn't think about that. We do have that uh, talking about a short trek uh, called Calypso. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good. That's a good call. I've been thinking about Calypso a lot because if that's discovery there in the future, then we're like literally laying the bricks to make that story make sense as anything exactly. more than a one-off sh- short trek. Right. Yeah, and I know I, th- I think there has to be because all the other short treks have been 
called back to right except for uh very mud a little bit but the muds even but so, that sort of worked with the mud episode in season one so it which was had a time true. crystal in it right oh I so forget. did it I yeah didn't remember oh, that okay he had the time crystal not in the short trek not but in the in short the, trek no in yeah. the episode magic to make oh, the okay. man go mad yeah gotcha so and that played of course with multiple versions of self-identity so that's potentially yeah. thematically relevant Interesting. Interesting. That's the thing I did not, but that's one of the questions I put down here. Can you explain why she felt the need to bring an entire community from a church from Earth's past to a, to the planet that she was living on? Because that's where she is. That was her her home base is Terra Lysium. That's that's where she's chilling. Yeah, how yes. she did that, I still had questions about because I could see her like grabbing one or two people, but how do you take right. an entire like church and community there? That's my question. Yeah. That's my that's what I was curious about because it's not just the it's the whole building. Can does she just touch a wall and like everything connected? Whatever with, with her, it comes. feels like yeah. her like flying by this ginormous plot hole, going cool thing over here. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. I would have thought they would have thought. I mean, because the first thing they do, like right. they should, they surely they've thought through that. Right, but and that maybe was we'll the... reveal that because they dropped the Terralisium bit of information almost in Quick. passing. Like you just had to be paying that much attention. To it was literally well, she I says, missed it. It's yeah. She yeah. it's it, it's off screen. It's a voiceover as mm-hmm. they're walking around or whatever. There, it's a a voiceover. She dropped of her a mom. lot of pieces though for such a short time in this storyline because we have the whole I've seen you die a hundred times. She's exactly. talking to and talking to yeah. Pike about his future and you won't like it. And like, there was a lot yeah. of things that she dropped in there that if nothing else, Shower, you should go back and rewatch her sequences for what I she did, talked about. I did like, it's funny because those were the things that I watched it's, that I did. I thought I paid attention to, but it must've been, that's what I missed because I did like that. I really liked the explanation of how cold she is and that and it makes sense. You're stuck out there. Um, and, I, and I'm feeling like there's something else that's like that either in Star Trek or just in, I've been trying to figure it out too. Yeah, it's like um, I don't know if it was Doctor Who or what, but there's something where there was someone who kept on trying to change history and it was always futile and they were, you know, well, maybe it's Year of Hell, you know, because we, we have the Krenum who's doing that in Year of Hell, but there's something else where somebody is, has been sucked out of time and so they are, they are. I mean, what? I mean, all good things is definitely that. Maybe Nobody's that believing um, Picard as he's going back and forth and all that. Um, no, but there's also a moment when she explains that she's also responsible. So. The Red Angel stuff still doesn't make any sense to me. So let, let's start. Let me let me go back here. So T- Terra Elysium's one of those bits. Mm-hmm. Then she explains that she altered the trajectory, movement, something, so mm-hmm. that um, Discovery would bump into the right. giant Sphere. meatball. Yes. Um, and okay, but and then she uh, saved what? Michael. She 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 found a connection but, with Spock. Spock was able to uh, process her. But yeah. what is she trying to? Okay, so so. What, what what Michael's mom is trying to do. So let's just, in, in my head, walk me through her process. Mm-hmm. So the opening of this episode is they are on the whatever it is. I don't know if it's, a, it's an outpost or whatever it is on a planet. They're doing research. It's actually a time crystal. Mm-hmm. There is a uh, Klingon bird of prey, which actually was pretty cool. Yep. Uh, landed. Klingons get out. They break in they shoot uh her mom um in almost in this yeah her mom's in the suit she goes forward in time you said almost a thousand years mm-hmm. 950, 950 years she's supposed to, to go back one hour that was the plan and at that moment she realizes oh um the world has been destroyed i mean the earth the universe has been destroyed like yeah. every all all yeah, she's the only life. sentient being left it seems yeah. so when when she does the math, she finds out <laughs> that it's her and all pe- the billions and billions and trillions of people that have lived. She finds out that it's her daughter and the her daughter's brother. What is it? Stepbrother. Foster brother, yeah. Foster brother, whatever, um, are the only two people in the universe that can actually help Um see her understand her and because i guess spock has this dyslexia 
Um, and so he's able to understand logic and humanness and temporal displacement. Temporal display, yeah, all that stuff. And he's like able to, so she decides, okay, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to mess around and save Michael's life to wait till discovery fall gets into this meatball thing. And I'm going to, that is that, am I right here? This seems so bizarre to me. Like it seems so just like. Oh, convenient. To me, it feels so discovery. And by that, I mean they go for the emotional connection moment over the logic. Mm -hmm. And while also praising science and math all the time, like, you know, hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. It was Uh, the worst. That was the worst line, the best and worst line when when they're talking about this plan. I like science. Well, that wasn't science, bro. That was a bunch of junk and yeah. jargon that was just yeah. spoken. Yeah. yeah, so I think with her mother choosing to do that, I think it started probably as her just going back to try and go back. And when then she realized she couldn't, trying to see her daughter while still trying to figure things out. And then yeah. while seeing her daughter and saving her daughter, she, you know, appearing to Spock to tell him, you know, here's where uh, Michael is to go save her. And then discovering that he can process her. I think she then started using that connection because he could process that. And so it was a sort of an act of convenience rather than I know because of the future that these are the only two people in the universe who can do this. Right. And, And it's just, she's got, you know, literally all the time in the world to, to go and, and, you know, figure out what has, what has happened to everybody, um, in in the, in the universe. And so she's frantically, I, and, and it seems frantic. And I think, I think that, that actually, that part actually works. It seems very frantic. She's trying to see her daughter. I still don't comprehend how her daughter doesn't see her when she can name the color of the dress that she was wearing when she graduated. Where was the gigantic burst of red light? That you know is it, it doesn't happen. It doesn't. Right? There's no red light, and that doesn't make for, sense. That doesn't work. Cloaking you know? so, shield on this amazing suit. Who knows? Yeah, um, she she must be cloaked. She must be able to like go back and not actually like fully appear. She you know opens I mean? a window, maybe rather than you know than than bursting right. through the door. I don't know. I don't get it. Um, but so that that part didn't. I, I like this again. Like you said, uh, um, Kate. I I like the sentimentality of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but I. Because it was, that was, you know, I've seen you grow up, you know, it's that whole thing, like, I actually do care, I put up a big wall, but I actually do care, and I've seen you grow up, and it was really amazing. And yeah, but that doesn't work, because there wasn't a really big red, of, um, you know, red burst of light, because we saw that episode. But um, <laughs> I, I just, so I, I like the emotion of it, but it so directly contradicts things that we've seen in Discovery. This right. isn't even, like, Trekkie nerdery, this is like, we saw that episode... Do you remember that gigantic burst of light and the red angel bursting through it? Oh, no, 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 because it didn't happen. Um, so it's uh, – there's things like that that it's like, ah, guys, come on. Like just like like five more minutes of, of polishing that little bit up and to, to tighten some things would be really helpful. Here, here's the thought I just had. You know, in a previous episode, I speculated that when we before we knew what the red angel meant and who the key person was, that Burnham was a, a key pivotal point because of her starting the war on the Klingons. But – what if the moment that her mom jumps away when she was supposed to die is the point and time is broken after that point. And when Leewin said that he saw her body, maybe he genuinely did. And the resolution of the storyline is that is fixed and her mom is truly dead in the past. And no time is back on the the current or the correct trajectory for humanity and other species, all sentient life to survive. I would like, maybe that's, that's the split point. That yeah. they're trying to return to, and success is her mother's death, essentially. Instead of real. instead of Michael's, and so that's how Mike, that's how Sneeko Martin Green gets to be in uh, season three, which I don't want to lose her, but yeah, that that makes sense. Oh, we right. won't. They've already they're already you know advertising her on season like literally that was Sneeko Martin Green standing up strong with the number three in the background. Oh, that's <laughs> right. You're right. Coming. There's no way they're they're yeah. They're, there's that's there's another that's point happening. that I want to tackle here related to the whole Klingon landing party parent death stuff that I I thought of last time, but our our attention was elsewhere in the last episode, and this sure. is still a good time to investigate it. I find it really interesting that. She winds that the, the Michael Burnham winds up with Sarek in his home. And because if this whole Red Angel and the rest of that was a big Section 31 thing, if her mom was working for Section 31, what is Sarek's connection to Section 31? I thought that and too. why did they call him in to be the one to be her new dad? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> I mean, it must be, right? Yeah. Ha- there has to be a connection there. And isn't I mean, there d- something... I feel like he said he kn- he knew her parents. Isn't that one? Isn't that something that happens in the first season? I need to go back. They say I that, but if back. they were Section Thirty One parents, like you have to imagine Thirty One putting her with Sarah, like you know, she could have just died and he would have never known. There's right. got to be intention there. I wonder, and I feel like now this is this is maybe I'm remembering like some of the Star Trek novels. So you guys can correct me if I'm just like blending some things here. I feel like there's something else about Sarek being a part of some sort of an organization that's not, I definitely not section 31. And we haven't heard that before, but I, I feel like there was something, maybe I'm just remembering a novel, but I, I thought that there was some, some organization that he belonged to that was not just being an ambassador. Am I, am I making that up or remembering something that's not Canon? That's your head Canon. It might be novel canon. You brought it, it up be, this time. Yeah, it might be. Oh, I'm not the one that said it, everybody. I'm just going to say it. Uh, but I, yeah, I'll, I'll look it up. It, maybe it's just a book. Um, but anyway, books hey, the no. books in my world, they are canon. They are, they're well, and I can see Sarek having a deep game too, because to be the diplomat is, for right. as many years as he was, you know he's got some kind of spy connections or otherwise. That's just, you know, par for the course. Oh, absolutely. Right. Yeah, no, no. There's no doubt that he is familiar, more maybe even so than he should be with what all is happening in the shadows of government right. and uh, you know, mm-hmm. goings on. So, yeah, yeah, I can definitely see that. No doubt. That's great, though. I hadn't really thought of that i i still think everything's really convenient here though that the 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 universe rests just so happened to be on the mom who has the daughter who can you know this moment in time is Mm -hmm. so pivotal Mm -hmm. um it just seems so convenient anyway but that's that's neither here nor there here we are we're going to continue to move forward and and go we're also just seeing the slice of the story with her mom that relates to her and her daughter because it's clear that there are many other missions and things that she has done that have nothing to do directly with michael yeah right and so i think that's when she when she quotes einstein about you know how Mm -hmm. we understand time is relative to where our position is like that is the truth of the situation and what we're seeing in it which was a great way of explaining relativity in like a sense so yay the writers Um, (laughs) what i they completely don't understand statistics but they got relativity (laughs) sort of right in a sentence yeah uh, what did you guys think thematically? Uh, one of the things I, I was intrigued by, and they bring it up toward the end, and, and again, it's 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 nice sounding stuff, but I wonder, wonder how, how are we tying things into the themes of the season? Um, we get themes of fate very much in this episode, a bit of last episode as well. There's a line, and I, I didn't get who said it, I just jotted it down. The future fate is not a strategy? Uh, there was that, and I, did, I thought that was an interesting line. Uh, so that, but that would pair up as well with the theme of the of the season. But the line, "the future doesn't exist now," is what matters, or something like that. Or now, is oh, that, Spock says that at the end of the episode. Spock. To um, Michael, yeah. And was that along with the faith is not a strategy? Is it that? No, that faith is not a strategy. Was to Ash uh, okay. early on when they were pushing back on his uh, loyalty oh, to Michael right. Burnham. Yeah. Uh, discovery. Yeah. Well, so what did you guys think? Where we have this, you know, now we're moving forward. Um, you know, with this knowledge that, hey, you know, that we've, we've got to, we're still figuring out what the Red Angel is up to. We, we're still figuring out what Section 31 is up to and the AI and control and all this other stuff. And instead of, basically, are, are they crumpling all this stuff up in a ball and, and throwing it in the trash can when they just say the future doesn't exist, um, now is what matters? Are they, you know, are we supposed to, as well, chuck all of this out the window and say, forget all of this, this timey-wimey stuff, let's just fight what's in front of us? Well, I I took it to mean that what they had just done, which was effectively take the Red Angel out of the picture, um, meant that from this point moving forward, Red Angel can't really affect what's Mm -hmm. happening from this point moving forward. Now, that's not true at all because there were 800 other missions and she may have gone past that point. But I think just from the audience perspective, because we are kind of, constant we're not hopping around right um you know i i, I like this i think it, it is a key point of um kind of trekkian philosophy and one of the things that discouraged me maybe more than almost anything else about philosophy from the last um episode which is the idea that 
you know, the future is what, um, you know, set us on this technological, you know, like future, you know, time travelers gave us technology we shouldn't have had in the past. And that's why we were able to become so powerful. Mm -hmm. Um, it's the idea that we are the ones now is what we have. That is our greatest weapon, our greatest defense. Uh, he says instinct and logic, all of history can change with our next move. The board is yours, Michael. Yeah. Like, I love that. That's the way that this episode so ends. And oh. I just, I like the idea that at this point, all we can do is ne- make our next move. Um, and that, I really, I like that. I like that um, idea, that philosophy, that, um, you know, that position. Um, I think it's wonderful. But I do agree from like a time traveling episode perspective, it just doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. Like you sit there and you're like, okay, that fine, but that doesn't mean, you know, time travel doesn't make a whole lot of problems. Right. Yeah. I read that scene as uh, a significant act of emotional intelligence on Spock's part, Mm -hmm. because in that scene, we're at the lowest point of the episode. She's just lost her mom. The, the uh, bad guys have what 50 something percent of the sphere data. Like it's, it's the low point in the season of this thing feels overwhelming. We can't beat it, etc. And Spock comes in and has that conversation with her. And, um, what he said is both logically consistent and emotionally resonant because when you're in that situation and you have no control over the future, the best thing you can do is to have the optimism that what you are going to do has some meaning, whether it does or not, because you still have to fight because you don't know the future, even if you have a time traveling mom. Right. And so, um, so there is that it's, there's the powerful truth in that. And also the emotional comfort of, cheer up what we do matters even if it doesn't matter it matters um we still need to do something even if it's you know even right. if there's we, fate. we, we can't give in to despair exactly yeah and, and again like that's that whole sarah connor there's no fate but what we make right you know yes. I mean? that's another wonderful kind of line that i just i, I love i think it's fantastic Absolutely. in fact if i were to get a tattoo that's what i think i think it would be uh boldly go and no fate you know <laughs> what i mean like that's that is uh those, those are my favorite uh nice. kind of quick quick lines of um taking control um i'm not a calvinist okay anyway so um <laughs> let's um let us uh let's talk about if we can if it's all right we, i mean you can obviously feel free but i think we should shift into the giant crux of the episode which is the idea that um the um burnham's mom thinks that they need to destroy the data that they had collected from the sphere. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in doing so, we will stop control. Mm-hmm. So they attempt to do that. And this is a very cool scene. I wish it would have gone on longer. Uh, it felt very sci-fi, very like cool moment of like, oh, the data that you get is not data. It's alive. Mm-hmm. And it will act to defend yeah. itself it, it like, from being destroyed. It put up its own yeah. firewalls and encrypted itself using the language contained within the file so nobody can decrypt it but itself. Love that. I wrote down in my notes is the meatball and AI. Yes. It's something. I mean, it, it's an advanced because Which it's we collected- knew because of how it interacted with them the first time, right? Like it, it is alive or it is sentient because it, it hacked them using language, right? Yeah. Uh, guys, actually, okay, I, I, I want to just pause really quick. You guys are making me appreciate this episode more. So, like, because I'm actually getting into it. So, watching the episode didn't do it as much. Talking about it really is is getting there, me more into it. So. There are some great ideas here. Yeah, mm-hmm. there really are. I just the, the way that they're piecing them together. Yes, just isn't working for me. I'd like to lean into more things like this and listen yes. to some of the other stuff. Yeah. What a cool concept, a live data, but it's not, but again, it's not like, it's just, it's more like instinct. It's like an animal where it's right. not about it's like, Oh, itself. I'm going to do this. It doesn't have like a, uh, a desire to mm-hmm. like, to, to all it has is all it wants to do is protect itself. Right. It's an animal. You know what I mean? Like a virus instinct. in their respect. Cause viruses work to protect themselves and to propagate. Yeah. Yeah, be- yeah. And that's what this wants to do is just wants to survive. Yeah. yeah. It's very anywhere. Anywhere. In that way. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Or Borgish. D- d- don't, don't quit swearing. Yeah, stop it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, but, so, I did, but, but I did like all that. Yeah, just what you're saying. That's good. But this is the general crux, right? So they their idea they come up with um, uh, is that they are going to um, 
send through somehow they've come up with this idea because Spock likes science. Um, <laughs> they're going to take, and this is the name of the episode, this data, download it onto the mm-hmm. suit because apparently it has unlimited storage capacity because of its quantum storage. Yeah. Why? How did that happen? It's from the past. Why don't we have these on Discovery? I don't get it. Anyway, um, so like, where did that where did that thing come from? I think I think she did get some weird future tech uh, because she also has the like the tachyon radiation that's able to uh, bring Mer- Michael back to life and like uh, Alex, I'll take it. Like, there's some there's some. Okay. All right, future and wave him right. for five hundred, Alex. Yeah. So basically, you're telling me she made a time travel machine. She went to the future. Everything was destroyed. She said, I need upgrades. Yep. She went back to the most advanced moment and then upgraded her suit. I would. Okay, fine. Because if we're really asking questions, how'd she get food? Like, there's there's that stuff. I was like, yeah, there's everything's destroyed, but she has food somehow, and she survived for X number of years. Eh, okay, that's fine. Okay, so anyway, you're right. So, okay, the, the idea in this episode is then they're going to download all this data from the sphere so that it doesn't, so because they can't delete it, it will yeah. not allow itself to be. They have to do something with it. So they're going to throw it on the suit and then throw the suit so far into the future, um, literally into infinity, and then it will just be there so that I the got AI it. from the, the future it. cannot reach it. Right. So it's perpetual infinity. Right. It's just continuing to move to move forward. What I, were you going to say, Tom? I, I think it just it just clicked. They they weren't able to do that. Right. Didn't actually Correct. happen. Yeah, they didn't succeed. Discovery no. will go 950 years into the future and be out of the hands of the AI. And that, that information is inside of the Discovery's computer and will eventually right. evolve and become sentient. Which is the, the, discover, the, the Discovery's, whatever her name was. Hello, right? funny Inclusive. face. Yeah. Funny face. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. No, that makes sense. That t- totally, totally makes sense. You're right. Um, because, like you said, it does act to defend itself. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, and it does have the archives and all that stuff. That's interesting. I need to go back and watch Calypso again and see what information they it, that she has. Yeah, in light um, of what we know now. Yeah, yeah, that's a good. That's a good point. Um, okay, what was I going to say? Okay, so feel free to interrupt me whenever you have a, a point you want to do. But basically, they tr- they attempt to do that. They start to download it, and this is where the the confusion comes in. Tyler, because oh man, I got lost. Tyler, Ash Tyler, <laughs> has a little interceptor, basically yep. that is just going to intercept that signal and relay it back to the Section Thirty One ship. Right. Mm-hmm. Tyler attempts to do that, feels bad about it, says, "I'm not going to do that anymore." No, and Leland's like, "All right, whatever." Um, doesn't even like chastise him. He just goes like, like, "That was the right, the right decision or something, right?" Good choice. Yeah, well done. I think it's just because he doesn't have time. Right. He's like, I don't, "I don't have time to argue with you." Fine, whatever. And then he basically goes to Georgiou and says, hey, listen, you're special because you're from yeah. an alternate timeline. You're not going to be special anymore. Because yeah, you're going to fail Georg- in the mommy Olympics. <laughs> yeah, because her mom's back in the game. And not only is she her mom, which would probably be enough, she's also a time-traveling mom. And it's got all this information. And that's going to be more interesting to the Federation than to whatever you got. And so boo uh go kill her <laughs> and and Giorgio's like yeah and he says to her what is the the line he says to her a line that she says oh that's an interesting turn of phrase something along the lines of i'm going to find it an unaccepted she's an unex um <clears throat> the mother or the data thing sorry is an unacceptable risk to the larger mission um, and then she, Giorgio hears that phrase from, um, the mom and realizes that she's been talking to the AI and Leland the entire time. Yes. After already noticing that he seems to have more confidence than usual too. Okay. Cool. Yeah. That was lame. Mm-hmm. Yep. Cause it literally is like, that's an interesting turn of phrase. Remember that audience. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then it happens again. And then they do like a cut. Like a a, a, a a flashback cut to the same words, and you're yep. like, oh, in case you I missed it, already, in ca- yeah, in case you weren't listening when our anyway, I just nope. I find that kind of stuff really annoying and very convenient. Again, like all this stuff is very convenient. It's too convenient. Anyway, so Jorzo, she also decides, okay, fine, I like 
Michael and I like Michael's mom. We learn, I guess, Michael's mom also has seen Giorgio's future. Mm-hmm. And Giorgio becomes quite oh, yeah. a, uh, this Giorgio becomes quite a heroic figure in her own right, apparently. so. Which I'm um, excited to see that. I, like I've said already, I really am liking this Giorgio storyline. You know, what motivates her? Is it purely just, you know, saving Michael's you know, but, or is it, you know, or is there something bigger? You know, I'm sure there's something bigger, you know, nothing. And, and that's what I like about her. We, nothing that we see is exactly what we think we see with her. And I think that's cool. Yeah. And, and it doesn't seem so, it doesn't, her stuff doesn't seem ham fisted. It seems well planned and, and you know, that it's setting up for something we haven't seen um, other than what, other than the, the lines and stuff like that. But I mean, the plot wise, it, it doesn't seem too um, ham fisted. Yeah, character-wise, we start. I, I start to like her more, be, mm-hmm. you know, just because of the willingness for her to sacrifice herself, or at least try to stop. And again, this is when you get our cool moment: is that her and Tyler turn things on Leland. Leland stabs Tyler. Leland beams down, and we get this awesome fight between Giorgio yeah. and Leland. <laughs> it's very cool. Ooh, I hate um, it. <laughs> I thought it was fun. I thought I, it was fun. I think it was fun. Oh. I mm, I no I sorry I love I love Michelle Giorgio Michelle Giorgio I just really wow <laughs> Michelle Yo uh, Michelle Yo uh, I love her I think on her part I think unfortunately that that uh, the actor playing Leland um, can't fight and so they they filmed it in such a way where it's her doing a bunch of really cool stuff and that in yeah. in pseudo slow motion and then not focusing on him in any his body in any way shape or form so that so that it He's was just Michelle Yeoh doing this doesn't hurt me shoot me again yeah. yeah it was very much T1000 right like of yes. um, he would she would kick him and then his face would would reform and so it's the only non borgy thing that i saw of his is that oh the borg don't do that but you know maybe just in this universe they do well i'm saying this is a future version of the borg though yeah. man this is like way in the future. So Um, anyway, he has some sort of like really cool laser cannon that can shoot through uh, shields, which is cool. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. Real big gun. That he uses on nothing else but the suit. Yes. So question mark. So to to destroy the time crystal. And again, that's just another like convenient plot detail. Right. And this is after he intentionally targets and shoots all of the non-named character personnel. Like, why does he pick them first? All the red shirts die. Like, there's an entire scientific crew and he kills all of them Mm -hmm. except for the named crew that you're aware of, that you've heard of. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so did Nan die in that? I thought she was among that crew, was she not? I guess we would have gotten no. that featured, but I thought she was down there with them. She was one of the she um, Burnham and Stamets were the ones that shot the shield generators. Oh, that's in a very right, Star Wars moment. That's right. Um, and so <laughs> you know when they took the, the shield down over Endor, and <laughs> it yeah. really was. Yes, <laughs> that goes. They get she gets sucked with along with her suit into a wormhole. Yep. And or then, the Death Star explosion, who knows? But yes, go ahead. Yes, and then Discovery destroys the 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 science space down there, the science uh, whatever depot, outpost, whatever yeah. it is, outpost. And then they realize Leland's been able to beam away, get away on a Section Thirty One ship with but what Ash did you say, an escape pod. So he's okay. Yeah, it was just so funny. <laughs> sure, sir. There's an escape pod. Oh, who could that possibly be? And, and it's Ash. Joe Schmo. Oh, never mind. Okay. Yeah. It's our favorite Klingon turducken. <laughs> yes. Man. Okay, so that's where we end, right? So now Leland and his Borg self are flying through the galaxy, and they're going to go find... They're going to go find him. Mm-hmm. Any other thoughts? I mean, this is that, that was... That was com- confounding to me i i found it overly complicated and silly especially the downloading uploading intercept yeah. all that stuff i weird. have and details for you guys please yes. one where's admiral cornwell yep who knows yeah dead two Colbert is wearing white again he's no longer in the the, the dark shades he's in and his the, official uniform he's, he's he says he yeah, says i've been reinstated, reinstated. yeah Right, but that color shift, because he was wearing dark colors, and it seems like all yeah. the baddies are the people who are in difficult places, although Spock is still ambiguous, but he's wearing white again, so that was noteworthy. 
Um, and, and, and unfortunately that's almost shorthand. That means we're not going to be getting any more details into his like complexity. Maybe like, he's just like, okay, now I'm back. Right. It's like he, they had that whole storyline so that way he could say to Michael, you don't understand what your mom went through and she's probably not the person you think she is anymore. And like, I that was like the that culmination called, of that. Yeah. I like that they called back. He's like, well, maybe I'm, I'm not the best one to, uh, to be talking or I, maybe I'm the best one to be talking about this because I just came back from this whole thing that nobody else in the entire universe could ever have experienced. But hey, give your mom a break. Yeah, yeah. Um, next, this is for the larger Star Trek universe. We have a drive-by scene and a background shot of a crew member on Discovery in a wheelchair. Yep. And then right after that, we come into the transporter room and one of the transporter techs is wearing a visor-like thing going on. So they're making an interesting statement there of this is a future where people still have disabilities. Right. And I believe that both of those, correct me if I'm remembering this wrong, I think both of those were on a Section 31 ship, correct? No, that was on Discovery. It was on Discovery? Okay, I thought it was Section 31. Because it's like Pike and and company doing a corridor walk and talk when that happened. Yeah, we also get Giorgio, not Giorgio, the mom, Dr. Mom, um, telling Pike that his future, he's not going to like his future. Yeah. Yeah. Which involves a wheelchair. Exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. Which maybe that's the reason why they decided to put those in that episode as a sort of background subliminal hedge. Yeah, your future stalking you. Um, I also really liked in the, the tete-a-tete between Giorgio and uh, Ash Tyler, his whole I've been killed before routine. Yes. That was <laughs> I liked it. Women fantastic. Um, those were some of my highlights. I already brought up the Gabrielle naming mm-hmm. thing. Um, and... Um, we talked about the suit jump, deleting the archive. I like the I exactly, I know exactly who you are from, uh, uh, Mama Burnham mm-hmm. to, um, Giorgio in the mom off. I think I mentioned at the end of last episode, I've been tracking the mom themes throughout the series. We talked about, of course, Sarah Connor earlier, but I'm really interested to see where they're going with this because we had in previous episodes Giorgio as the emperor talking about how she didn't have time for you know child rearing and everything that went with that and that comes up again in her conversation um with with Burnham's mom the whole split between priorities of did you have time for your daughter because you were focusing on designing this suit Mm. Which is an interesting hit on yeah. a theme that many moms have who yeah. are, are career women and raising children and the pressures that come with that. Uh, mm. So thematically, I thought that was interesting. Um, That's good. And then one final piece from the scene at the beginning where we get uh, back to 10-year-old Burnham with her family. Um, you have the conversation that her parents are having about the suit being ready for testing, etc. It almost read to me like Burnham's dad didn't know how far along she was with the suit and what she yeah. could do with it. Um, and I had questions about that. Of Is she snowing him on that? How much did he actually understand? Or is it just, we don't have enough information and within the scene that was not the point of making those statements. Did either of you, did that bring up questions for either of you? Yeah, it seemed really, I mean, he definitely had questions about like the status of the suit at the beginning of the episode where he was like, hey, were you able to do that thing with the crystal? Was it stabilized or whatever? So it definitely, but it's, there's no doubt that she is the, uh, the, the head yeah, the brains on of the operation. that, you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. So I've got a feeling there's a bunch of stuff he probably had no idea, you know what I mean? Like just, he wasn't the one who was in charge. Yeah. I felt like it was, it was a bit of back to the future in that. You know, this is this is her. She hadn't had a chance to actually test it. She jumped into the suit because she knew what was going on. You know, she knew they were about to die, and you know the suit suit's not ready yet. But I'm going to jump into it and and jump back an hour. But she hadn't had a chance to test it yet. Um, and in fact, I hadn't read into it the way that you had, um, uh, Kate. That that maybe the the Klingon disruptor had done something to it. Um, mm-hmm. I hadn't thought about that. That's intriguing. I and I I when I rewatch it, my, I'm at my parents' house right now and they haven't watched the episode yet. So, um, they, they're actually a couple episodes behind. So we'll, we'll watch them and I'll keep a lookout and I'm, cause I'm curious. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't see the phaser actually hitting it, but you're, you but see did they mention bolt, that it actually, think, 
that like you see a disruptor bolt kind of going right at it and then yeah. and then I swear he disappears before it hits but maybe maybe I just missed it maybe it's in a flash of light but yeah, yeah. I like the point of view stuff I thought that was intriguing you know it was maybe a little too CGI ish but but I like the the Her flitting vlogs. around yeah. yeah yeah I think those are good so mommy yeah. has a YouTube channel in the future yeah. yes yeah that's right. That's right. Yeah. As it turns out, that's all they've all been doing. You know, Captain Picard, Stardate, whatever, whatever. Right. That was actually a YouTube video you could watch. And you know. <laughs> who, who knew? Who knew? Who knew? I did figure out my AI slash time repeating itself reference, for me at least. It was Person of Interest episode, which is one of my favorite shows hmm. that was on uh, CBS in the past. And there is an episode where they're trying to, there is a malevolent AI as well as a good AI yeah. in that. Sorry, spoilers for those who haven't seen it. But there hmm. is an episode where the good AI is trying to game out every possible scenario where all of its people will survive. And I won't tell you if they do or don't, but um, there was that the futility factor and the brilliance of that is in there kind of like uh avengers endgame or dr strange yeah. says there's one way to win a oh, bunch of people wait. have to die for 10 minutes or a year until exactly. the movie comes out and then like people come back and yeah that's right that's right yeah Spoilers. anyway sorry i even brought that up okay okay so those are my details did you guys have any final details <laughs> that's great no, that's what I've got. I think I, I covered all of mine. How about you, Tyler? Where, where, no, I where love you. You guys have already no. mentioned the Hamlet line. Right? I feel good about it. I, you know, here's. Yeah. Okay. The Hamlet line. The yes. what? Oh, the Hamlet line. Yeah, 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 yeah. I can't remember what the Hamlet line it was, but I remember the the uh, the time response. Time is out of joint. Uh, the heaven and earth ratio. I was born quote. to set it right. Ah. I'm sure you said that, but it was uh, a little. Uh, I, I missed there. it. Yeah, you're breaking up. You're yeah. breaking up, Tyler. We've um, got a delay. But too. I'm sure it was beautiful. <laughs> no worries. No worries. I just remember Michael's response, uh, which is probably my favorite response in the episode, um, which was Hamlet. Hell yeah. yeah. Uh, and, then, and then beams away. That was wonderful. That was a fantastic moment. I want that on a t-shirt is what yeah. I really want. All right. Well, as always, everybody, uh, you can uh, you can follow us on Twitter. We are at the next track on Twitter. We are on Facebook at the next track as well. Um, if you've liked what we've given you here, please subscribe to us on iTunes. Give us a five star rating if you feel like we've earned it, and even if not, you know, give us the five star rating. It doesn't hurt you any. And as always, live long and prosper. 